Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. If you have your Bibles, let's get in the Word of the Lord. We are, uh, and let me say to our guests, we are so glad that you are here with us. Welcome them to First Church tonight, would you? So glad you're here. And to our church family. Now, we are continuing on in our Way of Holiness series. And uh, I know we have had, what, almost a month off. It's been three weeks or four. It's been, I think it's been four weeks that we've been off. And uh, so we're getting back into this series and uh, we, we had uh, different parts, um, and so we're going to be tackling a new subject. We talked about the spirit of holiness. We talked about that for weeks, and then we talked about the setting of a standard for several weeks. And uh, tonight, we are going to be picking up on a different aspect of the way of holiness. And if I were to title this portion of it, I would title this portion, Be Not Conformed, Okay. So we've talked about the spirit of holiness. We've talked about um, the setting of a standard. And now we're talking about being not being conformed unto the world. Amen. And so let, let's key off of our two main scriptures here, Isaiah 35 and 8, Hebrews 12 and 14. Those are our two scriptures that we key off on uh, universally through all these parts. And then highways shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Also Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, uh, it says, um, Paul says, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. So if the Bible says there is something I need uh, to see the Lord, I want to know what it is. Amen. Because I want to see the Lord. Amen. And then uh, for this uh, particular lesson here, uh, we are keying off of Romans 12 and 2. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. So he is saying, Paul is saying to the church at Rome, not be conformed to this world. Amen. We do not need conformity to this world. Amen. The church is to be counterculture to the world. Amen. We, we have seen a blurring of the lines universally across uh, loosely to say Christianity over the last 50 or 60 years. The things that were universally accepted as biblical truths have, have been pushed away. Um, but the church that belongs to the Lord Jesus, we need to be counterculture to the world. Amen. And so uh, we need to continue in the way of holiness. Let's pray together right now. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence and your great anointing. I pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding tonight, Lord, as we endeavor 
to know you more through your word. I pray that you would give us revelation. Lord, I pray that you would give us insight, Lord. And I pray that you would encourage us to follow after the ways that your word teaches us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody near you and say, be not conformed. We live in a world of conformity and uniformity in that uh, it's, it's amazing that group, there are some groups that celebrate their individuality, but the groups that celebrate sometimes their individuality the most are the most uniformed. I, I remember uh, some, pe some of you younger people think this is new, but it's not. Uh, I remember in high school when this whole emo movement started. How many know what emo is? I actually, when they started saying emo, I thought, who wants to look like a bird that can't fly? I thought they were mispronouncing it, but that's emu. This is emo, which is abbreviation of emotional, right? And so, which is kind of funny looking back, because aren't all teenagers kind of emotional anyway? <laughs> Amen. And so I, I remember when this started becoming a thing, and it was especially a thing where I grew up. Uh, it was very shocking to where I grew up in the deep south and the buckle of the Bible Belt, and uh, there. And and then this this came out where you know they they had on really light colored you know makeup, they had a white in their skin. But they looked like I mean, the more it looked like they lived in a basement, the better off it was, right? And they'd paint their eyes black and their lips black and their fingernails black. And it was just like, it's just creepy. It's like they wanted to be vampires or something. I don't know. And, uh, and uh, their whole, I remember one of the girls like, um, like lashing out at a teacher that had asked her, like, why are you doing this? You look at the corpse, you know. And they said, well, this is to express my individuality. That's what we're doing is we're rebelling against conformity. And we're uh, showing our individuality, and it's like, well, how come all of you look the same in your individuality, right? And so it, it's kind of funny. But, but I, I guess you could probably say that of, of, of every, uh, back then it was uh, uh, Marilyn Manson was really the one that brought that on, and everybody wanted to look like Marilyn Manson. And... Uh, I'm still friends with some of those that went through that phase. And believe me, they hide their high school pictures from their kids. Amen. <laughs> but don't we all kind of laugh at our high school picture? I got a, a 25th high school uh, reunion invitation uh, just yesterday. And want to know if I'd be at the 25th uh, reunion of our high school and to, to give a, a benediction. And I thought, yeah, that's okay. It's kind of depressing. When I look at how far we have went in 25 years, amen. And they said, yeah, we're going to play softball and all that kind of stuff. I said, we're at the age we don't need to be playing softball anymore. There's going to be broken hips and pulled groins and hamstrings and everything else. We don't need to do that. But, but I said all that to say there is a, there is a push, uh, and it's not new, unique. It's not unique to the world that we live in all all humanity has went through this, but especially in the church has went through this. 
um, ever since the church was born, uh, ever since the church began in Acts 2. Uh, God's church has, has been that ecclesia, which is, is the Greek word we have for church. And ecclesia simply means the called out ones, the ones that are called out. And that, that's what it means to be a part of the church, is to be called out. So what are we called out from? We're called out from sin, right? We're called out from the world. And uh, Paul would write about this in, in the, in, to the church in Corinthians, and he would say, he would say, come out from among them and be ye separate. He was quoting the Torah. He was quoting the Pentateuch, the law, uh, the first five books of the Bible that was given to Moses to where God says, come out from among them and be ye separate. He was directly quoting that scripture. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto me, and ye will be my people and I will be your God. You will be my sons and daughters, and I will be your father. Amen. And so there's a whole lot more into this thing, being a part of the church, which is also the bride of Christ. Um, call it whatever you want to. You can call it the old ship of Zion. You can call it the train uh, bound for glory, whatever you want to call it. But there's a whole lot more to it than uh, uh, just just. A proclamation of salvation I think sometimes we we give a false impression that once a person we use the per the, the, the term saved and I think it gives a false impression that that it's done um, the work only begins because if we live one minute past the moment of salvation we, we're in the process of being saved none of us are truly saved until we draw our last breath or we're called up to meet the Lord via the second coming, catching away over the rapture of the church, preached about that on Sunday. And so truly being saved uh, means that you're no longer, we're in the process of being saved. I, I've likened it many times to the illustration of someone who is uh, flailing in the ocean, who is drowning in the ocean, and uh, someone throws a life preserver to them. Did y'all read about the young man that fell off the cruise ship in the Gulf of Mexico last year, earlier this year? Did you see that? Fell off the cruise ship in the middle of the night, and they certainly thought he was dead. They sent out uh, search and rescue, and they found him alive, treading water at about 10 a.m. He had been swimming since 1, at midnight or 1 in the morning. He, he does not even remember falling over the railing of, of uh, the ship. To which I say, really don't want to argue with your wife on a cruise ship. I don't know if that's what happened. I'm just kidding. I don't know what. He don't remember what happened. But they found him. And uh, I read and watched the interviews, but was reading what the, uh, the actual reports of the Coast Guard rescue. And when, I mean, to find someone in the, in, in the middle of the ocean is already, I mean, the chances of that is so unlikely. But they followed the currents and the winds and, and, and all of this stuff, and, and they found him. And they said he was literally seconds. If they would not, they said if we would have passed by that spot five minutes later, we would have never found him. He would have drowned. And they, they pull him in. This is, what, this is what being saved is like. We're not, we're not necessarily saved until we reach the port of destination, meaning they put the um, uh, life preserver around you, right? That's the gospel, and it's pulling you in. 
and then you get you're being pulled in that's where we're at we're in the pulling in stage right we got to do our part to hold on we got to do our part to hold on and and then when you get on the ship amen you are you are relatively saved but not completely because the ship can sink right you you don't I, I've read so many accounts I love reading books uh, of the accounts of people who survived um, horrific things they had that um, that thing what was that thing called um, I shouldn't be alive you remember that I found that stuff on YouTube probably should have never watched that all these people should be bear attacks shouldn't be alive uh, plane crashes in the jungles and uh, some of y'all wonder why I carry so much extra stuff with me when I'm in the jungle in the Amazon man I've got water purification tablets I've got mosquito netting I've got antibiotics I've got uh, I've got tourniquets and all that stuff you're like well you, you pastor you'll never need that you never know I live by the philosophy it's better to have it not need it than need it not have it Hey man, I plan to make it on one of those episodes if our if our boat sinks. How did you survive? Well, I watched some of them episodes on YouTube and I thought, well, I better be prepared. Amen. And so the process of being saved, we're in that process because we're following after after the word. Amen. We're following after what God is calling us into which he is calling us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He is calling us out of sin. Um, I, I Remind me, I want to post the link on our members page. Uh, Dr. Bernard put out a phenomenal video this morning. Um, it was either this morning or last night. If you'll go ahead and pull it up on YouTube and just link it in the members page. Um, uh, it was wonderful. It was talking kind of along the lines of what we're talking about. And he made a statement that I've referenced many times in this series that what we are teaching up until 50, 60 years ago was universal across Christianity. And then it slowly started being let go of as the years went on by, as, as the church felt the need to, to somewhat um, entertain people rather than, than call people into salvation. And churches have really, uh, and we, we have to be careful, it's easy to go from uh, doing the work of the gospel than to doing, uh, uh, to become entertainers. That's why, well, I'm not going to go down that road. But he, he mentioned some things that are in there that, that I thought was just fantastic. So there is a great battle between the forces of righteousness and the forces of evil that has existed since the fall of Adam in the garden. There's been this struggle. Every child is born with the Adamic nature and tendency to sin. How many know that you have a tendency to sin in you? There's nothing inherently good in us. I say this, uh, I'm, I'm a bit facetious with it, and I, I like to tease a little bit with it, but, but uh, those beautiful little babies, they're evil. They got an evil nature in them, you know? From the moment they were born, you know, they're, they're beautiful, Somewhat, somewhat, you know, uh, Addie was born and my wife's just crying how beautiful she is. And I'm, I'm seriously looking at the doctor like, it ain't done cooking yet, is it? It's going to, you know, because the color's weird, the head shape's weird, their fingers are weird. You know, it's like, 
Moms are looking at this and going, this is the greatest thing ever. And dads, we're kind of going. I mean, it's beautiful to us, right? We have a total different reaction. This is just how God created men and women. Women look at that, and, and I mean, it could have four eyeballs in its face. reaction is uh, we realize that we need to protect them right that was one of the strongest emotions I had uh, when my daughter was born was and I'm not saying immediately but within a relatively short amount of time if I had ever had any doubt in my mind that I would be willing to lay down my life or take a life to protect that child I knew at that moment not doubt in my mind and so when they're born, it's cute and it's beautiful. And kids are born to be evil. And I mean evil in the sense of sin. Because you don't have to teach your child to lie. Lying is more natural than telling the truth to a child. That's why you don't have to take them to school and go, okay, today you're taking the lying class. You're going to learn how to deceive mama and daddy. It's the most natural. They'll do it before they can even talk right you don't have to teach a child how not to share they don't want to share you have to teach them to share you have to you don't have to teach a, a, a child to be mean it's it's pretty innate in them and some of the i watch some of these cute little girls they got their big bow and you know they're just learning to walk and they're so cute and you get them in a playroom man they'll start snatching toys out of each other It's like a little cherub, a little angel, but you get in a situation where it's nature can rare. of drifting downstream with the flow going with the flow going you know, broad is the road that leadeth to destruction just jot this down just uh it's a little anecdote here 
in most cities um, where there's a lot of crime, it's usually around Broad Street. I noticed that evangelizing. I'd go from city to city, and I'd find out that somewhere around Broad, a, a, a street named Broad Street in the, in the town or the city, there'd be a lot of criminal activity. I mean, just, I mean something to think about. Not in every city. So uh, I see people going, well, I know a city where it doesn't happen. I didn't say all of them. I said in a lot of them. In a lot of them. In, in, in Texarkana, where I'm from, uh, Broad Street, all you got to do is just walk just 30 feet off of Broad Street in any direction and you got everything you want, any kind of illicit drug or anything. It's all in the shadows off of Broad Street. They keep trying to clean it up and it, and it don't seem to work. And I said all that to say the Bible says broad is the road that leadeth to destruction. And so when you are lost, you're going with the flow, right? You're just going with the flow. You're just, you're going downstream. That's why when you are, when you get saved, a lot of times it don't take but a few weeks or a few months. Rarely is it a few years. It, it hits you a whole, a whole lot sooner than that. But a few weeks or a few months after being saved, you're like, man, this is hard. Right? Like, I didn't realize that people felt this way about Christians. Isn't that amazing? Isn't, isn't it amazing how when you start serving God, how many Bible scholars are at your job? Does that not shock you? It's astonishing. You go to somebody and say, oh, I was baptized. I'm going to church now. And, and they'll look at you and go, well, you know, I don't take all that stuff. But weren't you like just in jail for beating your wife last week? But all of a sudden you're a Bible scholar? I mean, didn't, didn't you just like smoke crack before work? If you want to know who the Bible scholars are, start telling people you love Jesus. And they'll just pop up out of the woodwork. Well, I know something about the Bible. I'm sure you do. The devil's really familiar with the Bible, right? And so you, it, it, it's amazing because what, it, as long as you didn't care, or as long as you were just being a Christian in name only, there wasn't a lot of resistance. But the moment, Elder Henderson, we stopped going downstream and we turn around, that's what repentance means, about faith. Now I'm swimming against it. And if you've ever, you've ever swelt against, swam against a current, you know that it's very futile. It's, it's, you, it's, it's near to impossible. We used to love to do that, get in the river and try to swim up. And if the river, even if the current's not moving too much, you can swim against it a little bit. Uh, matter of fact, I, I tell my, I, yearly, I talk to my daughter about this ever since she was little bitty. Um, when I was a teenager, I, I took a um, uh, lifeguard class because I worked at a place called Pebble Beach, not the one in California. It was a big old cow pond with diving boards on it, right? And we got paid like $4 an hour to set up there. And, you know, I think you, you could work like two hours a week, right? But you got all the free uh, snow cones. So that was worth it, right? And so they, they did some very basic lifeguard stuff, you know. And, and so about every year, the summer, I'll sit down with my daughter. And whether we go to the beach or not, we're going to sit down and I'm going to show her videos of riptides. I'm going to show her. Videos are ripped. Since she's about six years old, she can stand on the beach, at least I hope she can, 
and she can point out where there's a rip current. And I've taught her how to get out of a rip current. Rip currents are deadly. Uh, my favorite team, the Razorbacks, just lost one of their Hall of Fame quarterbacks just a few months ago uh, in Florida. He, uh, he got caught in a rip tie. Ryan Mallett played for the Patriots and the Texans and the Ravens. Uh, he's six foot seven and a picture of, of perfect health and an athlete got caught in the rip current and he drowned. Uh, Peyton Hillis, running back for the Browns out of the Razorbacks, rescued his own son and niece out of a rip current in Florida uh, earlier this year. He's been on Good Day, Good Morning, Everybody, or whatever all that stuff is. Uh, he, he drowned. He, he actually pulled his niece that was able to save him, got on the beach and collapsed, spent a week on uh, a ventilator. They thought he was going to die because he got caught in a rip current. Most fatalities around a beach are because of a rip current. Now, we don't go to the beach every year. Matter of fact, I don't really care for a beach. I'm free food in the ocean. That's the way I view it. And when I was little, there was this movie that came out. And anytime I get in the water, it may, even if I dip my head too far into the water in the bathtub, I hear, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I can be swimming in the lake. When I jumped out of the boat a few weeks ago, out of your boat and dove in the water and we were doing the tubing thing, when I went underwater instinctively, I heard, I'm in fresh water. You tell that's just so dumb. You fresh water ain't no shark. Did you hear about that guy that got bit by a bull shark in Iowa? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna think about it too, aren't you? Bull shark can live in fresh water for six months. So you think about it and laugh at me. Next time you get into Lake Berryessa, you can go. I'm not going. <laughs> Amen. And so I showed us video. And, 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 and every year we go through this about rip currents and rip tides because they're deadly. They don't pull you down. They pull you out. That's, that's, the, that's what it does. It, it pulls you out. It can pull you out 50 feet. It can pull you out 50 yards. Most likely it's never more than three or 400 yards. Sometimes it can pull you out up to a quarter of a mile. That's very rare that it goes any further than that. And I've told Eddie, number one, when you're in a situation where you feel like you're losing control, you never, huh? Never panic. When you panic, you die. That's it. I tell her that all the time. Don't panic. Whether it's swimming. When I taught her to swim, she was like four. And I was getting her to hold her breath. Some of y'all probably think I'm horrible. But I had to teach her how to swim. And she was a pretty good swimmer. I said, okay, now you can swim. Hold your breath. Take her by her head and shove her all the way down in the deep end. She'd go to the bottom and I'd look up. She'd kick off and she'd swim up, sometimes really slow, and I could see that look in her eye, and I would just wait just a second. I wanted her to feel what that moment was like of panic and then know to stay in control. And so when you get in a riptide, and I hope I'm helping, I might help somebody here. When you get in a riptide, you never swim against the current. You never swim to shore. Never swim to shore. Swim that way if the shore is the American flag there. Don't swim to it. You're going to drown. You swim that way or you swim that way. But never swim that way. When you are saved, you have been going with the flow of a riptide that's pulling all of humanity to hell. 
And the moment you're saved, you're going against the current. And everybody will look at you and go, you fool. You're going the wrong direction. But when you are saved, amen, you're like Popeye eating that spinach, baby. You can swim against it with the help of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is that can of spinach. Yuck, 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 yuck. Amen. <laughs> the Holy Ghost will give you power. I can still see Papa. I grew up on all them old cartoons. Remember, he'd eat that thing, and he'd turn that thing in his mouth, and it turned to a propeller, and he swam through. Okay, whatever. Hey, man, I told you I don't have ADHD. I got HD, ADHD. So you're, you're swimming. You're swimming. Now, humanity is being pulled through the current of sin, through that Adamic nature. It's being pulled into the pit of hell, eternity without God. And if you are going to make it to God, you're going to have to swim against the current, right? You, you, you can't just mediocre this thing and just say, well, I'll just, I'll float. You can't float. You will drift. You have got to make a conscious effort, unlike what I have taught you and have just taught you tonight, unlike swimming side to side just to get out of the current, you need to swim the opposite way now. Amen? So being counterculture to the world it's, it's in, in a very generic sense, it's somewhat simple because if the world approves of it, we don't. And it's pretty simple. You say, okay, well, the world approves of pizza. I can't eat pizza. If you want to be that petty, go ahead. I'm going to eat pizza. And I'm probably going to have pizza when I get to heaven, just letting you know. Especially if it's got bacon on it, Amen. Praise God. Um, uh, so you're swimming against. And we, we make an about face when we repent. So instead of drifting downstream, we are making a conscious effort to swim. Remember, everything flows. The Bible says everything flows from God, right? Life flows from God. So God is the source of eternal life, right? And as that river flows from its source, have you ever, have you ever been to the headwaters of the Mississippi River? Uh, up, up in the north, up in the Great Lakes area. Have you ever seen how clean that water is through Colorado and Wyoming, Montana, Illinois, Missouri? Uh, all the man, that those rivers are clear. They're clean. Get down to where I come from. They ain't clean no more. I've had people tell me. I'm gonna tell you, NorCal people. Listen, I love us. I'm, I'm one now. I've been here for 20 years. Y'all are snobs with water. I've had people tell me, I'm not swimming in Barry S. That place is nasty. What? You don't know what dirty water is, Jack. We got rivers called, that I grew up on, called Sulphur River. It's sulphur water. And we've also got a river called Red River. And I didn't call it Red River because somebody said that's my favorite color. It's called Red River because it's red. You can't. People say, yeah, Barry S. is dirty. You can't really see but about five, six feet underwater. You can't see that far under the water I grew up in. <laughs> right? So the further the water gets from its source of origin, the more polluted and the more dirty it comes with the debris that it is flowing through. So the further humanity, you with me, gets flowing from the source of, uh, of life, which is 
God and it flows further from him, it picks up more wickedness and sin and debris. And now we, being saved, have to turn around like a salmon swimming against the current. We are going back to the source of life, which is God Almighty. And that means we are going to swim and we're going to have to swim through some dirty waters and swim to the headwaters, which flows from Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost right now, which is Christ. And this is why when you start out living for God, yes, things are tough sometimes. And, and, and I've been living for the Lord 20 something years and things are still, there's still tough moments in living for God. But this is why the older folks, the veterans that have been living for God for a long time up in their years, Amen. And they they wear they wear that that gray hair as like a crown of glory. The Bible says it's a blessing until they will look at you and they will say things like it just gets sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. I, I love living for the Lord now more than I ever have before. It just gets better and better. If we're back home, the old folks say it just gets gooder and gooder. Why is that? Because from where they started from in those polluted, dirty waters of sin, they have spent a lifetime swimming upstream again against the flow of sin and they're getting closer to God and the closer to God they get the cleaner the waters get so the water they started out may have been in the Mississippi mud in the Red River but all of a sudden they're swimming in waters as clear as the Colorado River and they've been living for God a long time they've made progress but they're still swimming against the current amen praise God is this making sense good I'm, I'm, I'm going to start wrapping this up um the Apostle Paul described this battle between the flesh and the spirit in the seventh chapter of his letter to the Romans. And he explained the result of living after the desires of the flesh and being carnally minded. Uh, such a life, he would say, ends in spiritual death. Let's, in Romans 8 and 6 through 7, uh, he talks about this, but he says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is an enemy of God. A person cannot travel two directions at the same time. How many know that? A person can't go two directions at the same time. If that was the first time you heard that tonight, welcome to the world. Amen. I mean, you may have been felt like you were being pulled in two directions. But you can only go in one direction at a time. Uh, when someone is traveling north, they cannot simultaneously be going south. If they're going up, they cannot be going down at the same time. The Christian travels upwards while everyone else is drifting downward. And because of this, we will find ourselves in spiritual battles that we cannot fully understand or explain. Simply by nature, that we are going a different direction than the world. It's more important now to make stands for righteousness, and it's always been important, but it is even more important now to, stay, to take stands for biblical righteousness. And we don't do that to be mean. When we say that the Bible says that God created male and female, that's not being mean. That's being in the word. And we need to take that stand. We could do it without a spirit of hatred. We don't have to be hateful about that. Matter of fact, if you have the spirit of Christ, it's not going to be hateful. But it doesn't mean we bow to the pressure of society that says drift this way. No, we stand upon the rock of ages. We're swimming in a different direction. We're going to make the stand. Now, if we say 
that, that the Bible says, and it does, that God created male and female, our intent is not to offend the other 15,000 new genders that have popped up in the last two years. That's not our intent. Our intent is to stay with what God said. And it doesn't matter what the world says. It only matters what God says. After all, we are not drifting to the abyss. We are trying to swim back to him. Amen? And, and so it's important that we understand that, that um, we, we, we need to make uh, lines of demarcation, as, and, and, it's, and it's not being mean, all right? It's, it's not being mean. It's, we're getting to the point where you can't say that drug addiction is bad for you uh, because we might offend the addicted. No, that's not what we're saying. We are, we are saying there's a better way. When we say there's male and female, that's what God said. When we say marriage between a man and a woman, that's what God said. You say, well, that's just being fundamentalist. People don't want to hear that. You would be shocked at the amount of people that are looking for truth. People are tired of being lied to. They really are tired of being lied. They're tired of being lied to in, the, in education. They're tired of being lied to on their jobs. And I'm going to tell you what, there's a whole lot of folks tired of being lied to in churches. Amen. Y'all still with me? Amen. So uh, we'll find ourselves in spiritual battles uh, that sometimes we can't just understand or explain outright. Uh, there are three principal forces which oppose the Christian. If you're taking notes, there are three principal forces, not, not only, but three principal from which I believe all other things would derive out of one of these three that, that will oppose the Christian. One is the world. Two is the flesh. Thirdly, is the devil. The last one is probably the one you least encounter, but that gets the most blame. One of my favorite cartoons is, it was, a, if I can find it, or if you're an artist, maybe you can draw it, because I have not found this cartoon in years, but I found a picture of the devil sitting down crying. He, he was just sobbing. And God said, hey, what's wrong? He goes, they're blaming me for things I never did. Because most of what we are fighting is ourself, right? And if we can't, listen, if we, can, the devil is not the opposite of God, okay? There is no opposite, no equal to God. None, none that can compare unto him. Even when the devil thought about how great, when he was Lucifer, that he wanted to be, um, he said, I will be like the most high. Even the devil couldn't think of anything better than God. So he's not God's opposite. Nothing can compare. The devil is not omniscient. He is not omnipresent. He is not omnipotent. The devil can only be in one place at one time, but God can be everywhere at the same time. You see what I'm saying? So if someone has not conquered their flesh, the devil's not wasting his time on them. That's, that's like the New York Yankees showing up at the t-ball park to have a baseball game against a bunch of five-year-olds. What's the point? You know how it's going to win. They don't got time. They've got to prepare uh, for the Red Sox or whoever else they're playing. I'm not even keeping up with it this year. Baseball has just gotten so long. The season is just eternal. Amen. And, uh, but you, you see what I'm saying? So the devil's not going to run and try to fight you when you haven't learned to conquer your own nature. Amen. That, that he, uh, by fall, uh, Adam and Eve falling, 
has had great input into. All right, so there's the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. These powerful forces, they can combine together in an attempt to hinder a Christian from living a uh, spiritual and victorious life. Uh, the devil dominates the world, and the world caters to the desires of the flesh. The secret of victory as a Christian, listen, I'm going to crack the code for you, all right? I'm going to crack the code. The secret to living a victorious life is learning to die out to your flesh. Not letting your flesh have control. And, and you, you may say, my flesh has no control over me. Take away something it loves. Like for me, that would be anything that once breathed. Cow, pig, lamb, whatever. I like meat. I'm, I'm a, a meat eater. Uh, I, I couldn't do it. I, I, I have went on fasts where I didn't eat meat and ended up turning into an abstinence fast anyway because I don't eat many vegetables. I know I should. I'm getting better about it. My wife's gotten me to eat broccoli. I'm not broccoli. Lord, no. She'll never. Don't. She's at home watching sick. Don't even try it. But she got me eating asparagus, and, I, and that was miraculous. When we first got married, I meat and potatoes, that's all I ate. She got me eating uh, asparagus. I couldn't believe I'd ever, Sister Jean, I never thought I'd eat asparagus. I thought that was hippy-dippy, tree-hugging, weird stuff. I eat asparagus now. I love it. How did she get me eating it? She wrapped it in bacon. <laughs> right? And I said, man, this is bacon-flavored grass. This is great. You put bacon on almost anything except broccoli, and I'll eat it. I even eat Brussels sprouts now if they've been fried in bacon grease. It tastes really, really good. Remember, we had um, Brother Akers here, uh, right? Remember the weekend COVID hit? Uh, he was here with us, and we were out eating at a restaurant, and he ordered Brussels sprouts, and I went, man, those things look nasty. I'm, I'm an observant person, right? I said, man, those things look nasty. I said, but they do kind of smell good. He said, you ought to try one. I said, I will never, I will never eat a Brussels sprout. And he said, but they fried in bacon grease. I said, let me have a half of one. <laughs> and I'll eat them like, now if you steam them and put salt on them, I ain't eating them. But in, yo, you get my point. If you want to see if your flesh has control, deny it something that it craves. Deny coffee. I feel like I'm being persecuted. You deny me coffee, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm under attack. Everybody that counters me the first two days feels like they're under attack too. You know, deprive me of donuts. You know, I love donuts. I love donuts with coffee. I love donuts, coffee, and bacon. I love bacon on my donuts with my coffee. If you've never had a maple bacon donut, you've not yet lived. I took, we had uh, Pastor uh, Hiltz with us, and uh, we went, and, and I had one for the first time, a maple glazed bacon donut from, from Buttercream Bakery in Napa, and I took a bite into it. Listen, the only time I felt closer to God is when I received the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a rapturous experience. It was powerful. My, I mean... It was like, oh, I heard the angels as they harmonized in perfect six-part harmony. 
And as a matter of fact, it was so good, Pastor Hiltz, right there in front of everybody, started singing. He just started singing, oh, Lord. And he started, and people out there, you know, them rich, you know, uppity, uh, tutti, fruity, rich people, like they got all their wine, and they're just looking, and he's over there moaning, ah, and he's, I got it on video, it's hilarious. So deny, your, deny yourself something, and you'll see who's in charge. This is why fasting is good. I'm so glad the medical world has finally caught up to the Bible. Fasting is good. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. It's, it's good for you. Amen. And, and, and the Lord blesses that. The Lord honors that. Praise God. So you got to doubt to the flesh. It's the secret of uh, living victorious. The world has no attraction to those who become dead to sin. Those who become dead to sin, the world kind of loses its luster, right? It's like the mask has been pulled off. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like you get a, a, a true view of what, of what it really is, and it's not as appealing as it was before. I used to think, that the older folks in our church didn't struggle with things that I struggled with as a teenager uh, in the church because they were just old fuddy-duddies, right? They didn't. Like they were still kids when it was black and white TV. They could never understand how fun things are now, right? No, it was that for a majority of them, they had learned to live a disciplined life. We, we've, we've lost that concept in Christianity of discipline. That is a root word of disciple. And we've lost that, and, and the modern church world has said, adjust God to fit your preferences, rather than our preferences adjust to fit God's order. Right. And so, and this isn't popular. I, I, I promise you this isn't popular. But God never sought to be popular. He sought to have fellowship with someone that would want to have fellowship with him. Amen. And so live dead. The, the Apostle Paul expressed the secret of victory in his epistle to the Galatians in Galatians 6 14. Um, let me quote it to you, read it to you, and let this stick in your mind. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. There are things that can be appealing, but you have to learn to crucify the world to you and yourself to those things of the world. Amen. Now, as I uh, see the runway lights, I'm going to start. I got the landing gear down. That is a uh, reference to the fact I'm about to close. There are some things that are not necessarily a sin that can provoke your, your carnal nature to an unhealthy place. There are some things that I don't participate in or places I don't go or you fill in the blank, not because in and of itself it is a sin, but to me it leads my nature or my mind to a place that is not healthy. I live by an ancient African proverb that says, look not where you fell, but where you stumbled. We always try to rebuke the fall, 
the fall wasn't the problem. The fall was a result of the problem. The problem was where we tripped. And so if you can find your tripping point, you can help avoid your falling place. I often say this, who was you with when that started? What was your prayer life like? Were you reading your Bible? I, I say this to myself. When, when that happened, when you ultimately ended up in that place where you didn't, and I'm, and, and I'm not even talking about necessarily, you know, waking up in a gutter with a needle in your arm and, you know, having crazy, wild nights, drug-induced. I'm, I'm talking about that thing that leads you to that place. The Bible said, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easy. So it lets me know that not only is it sin that's going to beset me or distract me, sometimes it's just the weights that are not sin, but they just pull my attention away. They pull my balance away. And so I've got to say, where was I? Who was I with? When I, started, when I started committing my life to God and living for him, there were friends I couldn't be around anymore. And, and, it, and it wasn't necessarily their fault. I, I have friends that I had not seen for 20 years and, until they showed up at my mother's funeral. I had, I had to cut them off because we had been places. We had lived a life that I didn't want to live anymore. And it reminded me too much of that. Now, thank God, after being saved, you know, I could be around them and, and you know, thankfully it's not a deal. You've got to look at all of those factors when you find yourself falling and stumbling and say, what was I doing? It can be, listen, it can be as simple as a radio station. Right? It could be as simple as the atmosphere in a particular restaurant. That's not to say the radio station is sin or the restaurant is sin, but it could be the place where your spiritual toe just didn't clear it enough. And it led your mind into certain ways. Amen? And so I'm talking about living a victorious life, not being conformed unto this world. Does this make sense tonight? Amen. Brother Lucas, if you'll come, give me my, my shut up music. Amen. <laughs> I could talk about this for a long time. It's so important. We're missing, we really are missing this element of, in the, in the church today, of where you got to be careful for nothing. And I grew up with that. I've told the story of my, uh, my grandma, and she was one of the prayingest women I ever knew in my life. When, I'm, I'm telling you, Brother Abraham, when my grandma woke up and her feet hit the floor, the devil went, Oh, no. <laughs> when my grandma's feet hit the floor, all of hell went. They got, they got shivers. Oh. I mean, she could pray. She'd pray paint off the walls and command the demons to repaint them. We'd have tongues and interpretation praying over the meal. And I am not kidding. Literally be praying over the meal. And she's got, oh, man, breakfast was the worst when I was a kid. You know, Brother Ryan, she'd say, all right, now we're going to pray. And she had made some homemade cathead biscuits and sausage gravy and eggs and I'm tearing some waffles and pancakes and grits like they were supposed to be made with salt and pepper, not sugar. And he was looking at this feast and she would always say, well, baby, let me whip you a little something up. When she said whip a little something up, it was fit for a king. And we'd sit down, man, the steam is just rising up off that sausage gravy. And she'd go, all right, now, let's pray. He goes, oh. I love Jesus, Grandma, but 
man, she'd get to praying and, and she'd give thanks for the food. You see, she was, she was alive during the depression. She knew what it was like to not have food. And so every time she opened her mouth and said, I give you thanks for food, in her mind, it went back to a time when she didn't have food. And her mind went back to a time when her abusive drunk husband would disappear for weeks and months at a time. And they literally had nothing to eat. And she'd whip that, that head around. She had this bun on top of her head. She'd whip that bun around. Sometimes it, it whip out, man, like a whip just flying off the back of her head. And she'd go to praying in tongues. Man, I've seen people, I've seen backsliders filled with the Holy Spirit at the, at the, at the, at the dinner table. She, she had this contact with God. She had this just, this amazing contact with God. And I always thought, man, to live in that world to where she was so close constantly to the spirit what was she doing she was she was telling us there's this other world you need to be aware of this is god's kingdom and and so she was like my grandma grew up strict like she was strict like no dominoes no no cards i mean she was straight lace but she would watch the razorbacks now i'll tell you that and so <laughs> and she loved prices right And uh, so I remember me and my cousin Sheldon, we went down to the store. And I probably told, I know I've told this story here before. If you've never, if you've heard it before, just get ready to be blessed again. And we went, we walked down the store and we went and got us some, uh, we went and got us some root beer, right? And uh, IBC root beer. I think that's where you went to college, right? IBC. <laughs> and so we got it and, uh, we specifically got it and put it in a little brown paper bag and twisted that brown paper bag up around the neck and man we were like 11 or 12 walking around drinking our root beer man we thought we were just walking on the wild side and but we knew to get rid of it before we got to the house but lord we didn't know grandma was gonna be working on her rose bush and she saw us coming around. I mean, when we saw her, them bottles, went, we were just launching them bottles. It didn't matter. She saw it. Boy, she got us in there, and she read us the riot act. And she said, we said, Grandma, it's just root beer. We didn't, she didn't have to say anything. We, oh, Grandma, it's just root beer. She said, boys, one of these days, you're going to be men of God. And you're going to start now. And she said, but we said, but Grandma, it's just root beer. She goes, but you know what you wanted it to look like. And I remember my cousin Shelma said, but Grandma, nobody would think you a couple of kids would be having beer. She said, it doesn't matter. She would always say this. Don't ever let your good be evil spoken of. And be careful for nothing. Wow. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that to say. That root beer wasn't a sin. I don't like it now. I don't. I grew out of it. My daughter likes root beer. I don't care for it. It was the image it was portraying. I wanted it to look that way. So what I'm saying, I'm not preaching against root beer. I'm not even teaching against it. I'm trying to teach you a principle that there are things that can lead you to stumble that may not even be a sin. The enemy knows our proclivities 
He knows what we're sensitive to. And our flesh does. And your flesh wants to be as close to what it was before Christ as it can be. And still let you be okay with it. Amen. You got to make up in your mind. I'm not going to be conformed to this world. I am a child of the Most High God. I am of a different kingdom. I am of a different heritage now. I'm of the heritage of God. Would you stand with me tonight? Amen. I pray uh, tonight, I pray you got something out of this. I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to dive deeper into this portion of Be Not Conformed. We're going to talk about Love Not the World. We're going to talk about 1 John 2, 15. We're going to talk about Luke 11 and 18. And so I'm, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're getting back into this lesson. I'm going to tell you something. The closer you want to get to God, the more of the world you have to leave behind. Amen. It's like a mountain climber. He doesn't end up on the mountain peak with what he started out with in the first day of the trip. Because the higher they climb, the more weight they have to take off. You're swimming upstream. Amen. You're going to get into clearer and clearer waters. But this life and living for God is about resisting it's about resisting. What, the, what did the apostle say? Resist the devil and he shall flee. It's about swimming counterculture. doesn't matter what the world says. I don't need the affirmation of politicians. I don't need the affirmation of Facebook. I don't need the affirmation of Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter X, whatever they call it now. I don't need that affirmation. I need his affirmation. I want to please him. I want to please him. Would you just close your eyes for a moment and lift your hands to heaven as we just kind of conclude the Bible lesson tonight? Would you just would you just talk to the Lord for a moment? And, and if you've had a struggle, this is a good time just to say, Lord, help me in this journey. Help me, Lord. I I, I feel like my spiritual leg is cramping as I'm swimming upstream. I, I, I feel like I'm not gaining any ground. Would you, would you strengthen me by your spirit? Would you strengthen me by your spirit? Would you uphold me by your word? Oh God, I, I need help. I can't do this on my own. I'm, I'm not talented enough. I'm not gifted enough. I'm not strong enough. But Lord, through you, all things are possible. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me to be made into your image, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit just put its finger on my life every day. If there, if there be anything in me that is not pleasing to you, Lord, I don't want it in my life, Lord. Let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, I want to walk closer to you. I want to draw closer to you. I want to walk in strength, Lord. I want to be able to have that, that passion and that ability and that faith, Lord, to say that I, I fought a good fight and I ran the race and I kept the faith. Lord, I stayed strong swimming against the headwaters of sin that were coming against us, Lord. You see this hour we live in. There's trouble on every side. There's compromise on every 
side, Lord, help us to be strong in the hour of temptation. Help us be strong to resist the evil one. Help us to be strong, O oh Lord. Help us to know that we are not in this by ourselves, but there is an ecclesia that we are a part of. There is a called out ones that we are a part of. Lord, help us to know tonight, God, that you've given us the strength by your grace to be able to endure anything that might come against us in the mighty name of Jesus. Can we just worship him for a moment together? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just for a moment just lift your voice and say thank you, Lord, for your grace? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for your grace and your compassion. Thank you for your mercies. Fail not. Oh, we worship you tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.